This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One of the big questions is, what is money? For practical purposes, it exists in a series of uh, heterogeneous databases, very different databases. Do you believe in crypto? Digital currency may be an answer. But it is the highly speculative asset. I do own Bitcoin. There is no second best. Welcome to the Crypto Curious Podcast, designed to help you navigate the dynamic world of cryptocurrency. Hello, my name is Tracy, and I'm joined by my mates, Blake and Craig. Hey, guys. Hey, Tracy. G'day, Trace. Excited for this one. Are you? I'm, I'm trying to bring the excitement to this one because I feel it's a heavy one, but it is an important one. And last week we discussed Web 3.0. We all love this subject and and truth be told, it could have been a two or even three part podcast. And one aspect that we wanted to come back to discuss further was that of DAOs, decentralized autonomous organizations. Oh God, it's even hard to get through that. Is this the final frontier of financial freedom? Possibly. So that's where we'll do a bit of a deep dive today. And as we introduce and break down the concept of DAOs, we should remind ourselves where this crypto journey started. So cryptocurrency was created to provide an alternative to the current financial system. That's why this gets a bit heavy, I guess. And with the boom of DeFi and DAOs, it seems we're getting closer to that vision, you know, day to day and month to month. So what's your thoughts on this, guys? Yeah, it's fascinating to watch and it's really creating an environment of rapid innovation and it's moving. It's hard to keep up with, but, you know, today we're here to talk about some of the fundamental ideas um, that we'll see, you know, express themselves over the current, you know, coming years. And I think what's interesting about this space, which we'll get into, is it's becoming a lot more inclusive, whereas, you know, um, anyone can really get involved in their favorite project and we'll go into how and why you can do that. Um, but it's really creating an alternative way of organization, really. And it's um, super interesting to see how projects are doing it better than others and, you know, in their own little way. And I think what happens here too is that we're sitting here in a podcast talking about crypto and we stumble upon different subjects and all of a sudden we're talking about DAOs and the way companies work and now we're talking about deep diving into decentralized autonomous organizations and that's something that I haven't really talked about or looked into before but it's really interesting and it is heavy but I enjoy it and it's not something that you know a lot of people would normally delve into but it's it's key to what's going on. Yeah it's a bit of a rabbit hole like we started with Bitcoin 10 years ago now we're talking about overthrowing current organizational <laughs> structures. <laughs> it's a, it's it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's dive in. Blake, I'll get you to maybe explain a little bit more about what a DAO actually is. Yeah. So a DAO is a governance system with the purpose of allowing strangers to work together who don't know each other or necessarily trust each other. And 
a DAO helps people is a system to help people work collaboratively towards common goals or a vision in a fully decentralized way. And DAOs have qualities such as voting mechanisms, kind of similar to a shareholder vote. And there's also incentive mechanisms to reward those people that participate in the DAO, kind of like employees get paid, but you know it's done in a totally new way. And cryptos have seen um, the rise of many novel community-led governance structures over the years. And some of these DAOs have billions of dollars sitting in their treasury doing amazing things, really building the future. And um, this will be allocated in accordance um, with their community governance. It's madness. Like there's billions of dollars in a treasury from a DAO, which anonymous people are all voting on what to spend on, what to do next. And it's like, if you told someone that 20 years ago, they'd be like, what? Blake, would you say it's sort of replacing the current company structure of board of directors, particular shareholder votes? Like how would you say, how would you see that? sort of comparing to that way of working? So the answer is it, it doesn't compete with traditional companies. It provides an alternative model for people to organize themselves on the internet. Legally, they're in a bit of a dubious place because often you know, there's, respons- there's responsibilities that companies have, um, whereas DAOs are fully decentralized and often you know, and people participating in them are, are anonymous. Um, So they don't quite fit into the regulatory regime and there's a lot of work happening in the background um, to find a legal stance for them. So before we go on to look at how exactly DAOs work, let's have a look at the biggest projects in the crypto space right now that are DAOs. Yeah, sort of two that come to mind are both Ethereum-based projects. One's called MakerDAO, which is an Ethereum DeFi project. Another one is called SushiSwap, which is a decentralized exchange similar to Uniswap. And, you know, these DAOs hold their treasury in Ethereum smart contracts rather than giving it to a trusted individual. And these, obviously, these smart contracts have rules, have laws against them where they can only spend if a proposal has been passed by the DAO. And Ethereum itself is governed by a DAO, which is called the Ethereum Foundation. And, you know, they vote on new projects, they vote on new advancements and and prioritizing of, you know, development work. So there's actually a, a lot of, as I go down the list, there's a lot of the uh, coins in the top 100 that kind of classify as a DAO. So Blake, what what's not a DAO? What's a few examples there? Yeah, that's a good question. So firstly, projects like Ripple... Like Binance, they're not DAOs, they're companies with, sent, with you know, a board of directors, with a CEO, and it's really a top-down process of decision-making, whereas DAOs are you know, community-led and the decision-making is bottom-up. But yeah, it's really important to note that it's very difficult for DAOs to start as DAOs because there's inherent centralization when you know a couple guys start a project like Ripple or like Binance. It's going to start off inevitably as a centralized you know, entity. But then over time, these projects really work hard to make sure that they're you're moving to a fully decentralized model. And often this can take years to ensure that the right governance structures or decision-making structures are in place. There's also sort of a case of, you know, Ripple and Binance, they've already registered themselves as a company with their jurisdiction, so they can't even become DAOs if they wanted to. Yeah, it'd be a lot of work. Yeah, it's also important to note that, 
you know, these regulators and lawmakers are finding it very difficult to regulate DAOs because often these projects are fully decentralized and anonymous pseudonyms on Twitter and Discord, they don't necessarily have an ABN or a ACN. They're a bunch of random avatars on Discord who are collaborating to build products. And this is turning into a bit of a nightmare for regulators. But it's probably important to know, like, how did this come about? Like, why do we want DAOs? Why do we need DAOs? What's the, you know, what's the problem we're trying to solve here, Blake? Yeah, DAOs um, solve a classic theoretical problem called the um, the Byzantine general problem. And this is solved by blockchains and then DAOs you know, utilize that. So the Byzantine general problem is an ancient problem which describes the difficulty of decentralized parties arriving at consensus or agreeance without relying upon a trusted party or um, having to trust one another. And in a network where no member can verify the identity of the other members, how can they collectively agree on a particular point of truth? And the story goes that four Byzantine generals um, had surrounded a city and they all had their own battalions and they must collectively decide when to attack. If all the generals attacked at the same time, then they would win. But if they attacked at different times, they would probably lose. And the generals had no secure communication between one another. So then if a message got intercepted, you know, they might attack at the wrong time and then lose the war. So how can the generals organize to attack at the same time? The way that you solve this problem is to ensure that all the generals have all the information at the same time so they don't have to trust one another. And this is achieved with blockchain technology using a consensus mechanism or an agreeance mechanism called proof of work. So this is a theoretical problem. And of course, the Byzantine generals didn't have computers. But you know, in the modern age, the blockchain solved the problem where people that don't know each other, can't trust one another, can work cooperatively using a single source of truth, such as data on a blockchain. Yeah, and I think just relaying that theoretical example is pretty much that different parties can be confident in their decision-making without the potential of betrayal. And that's where blockchain and smart contracts come in because you can create laws where you need to have X amount of votes to get a proposal over the line. And this means that you're able to govern and manage anonymous people across the internet. And it means that these people who are participating can trust each other to work towards big ambitious goals. And this is really creating the foundation of a decentralized Web3, where these projects that you might like, you might join the Discord, join the DAO and say, you know, I'm a, I'm a project designer. I would love to redesign the DAO's website. And the DAO might say, yeah, cool, that's probably worth about 100 Tracy coins. And then Tracy goes in, creates a new website for the DAO, and Tracy gets paid. So it's sort of really the foundation of Web3. Yeah, okay. Look, I think, you know, this is really getting to the core of the power of blockchain technology again. And I think when we get back from the break, we'll we'll have a little look at how the DAOs actually work and maybe discuss a bit more about Tracy coin. <laughs> <laughs> 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So in a nutshell, we're discussing DAOs and the fact that they are a decision-making mechanism that offer a very pure form of democracy. Let's look now at how these work in the crypto landscape right now. Yeah, it's important to mention that Ethereum was sort of the first foundation project where DAOs became possible. And it's sort of seen as the most reliable way of new DAOs to create and to start working together. And this is because of the use of smart contracts. Now, we talk a little bit about smart contracts in our Ethereum episode. So, if you're not sure what that means, scroll up, have a listen. But with smart contracts, you can create rules that the DAO is governed by. So, we might say, you know, crypto curious DAO, we can hold the podcast funds in this smart contract. But for these funds to be released, we need to have two out of the three hosts to vote on the funds to be released, which means, you know, Blake can't run away and steal the, the DAO's funds <laughs> and neither, and, and, you know, at least two of us can vote on that mechanism and we will be able to release the funds and we might have that mechanism for everything. We might say, you know, two out of the three people have to vote on creating a new podcast or hiring someone else. And, you know, this can all be governed by a particular coin that we have in our DAO. So, um, that's sort of a really top line example. But Ethereum is a DAO in itself. So, Blake, do you want to talk about, you know, Ethereum and how they've worked together? Yeah, for sure. So, uh, Ethereum has the biggest developer community in the crypto space. And, you know, obviously, a lot of people want it to grow in all sorts of different ways that, you know, they think are interesting or may benefit them. And, you know, Vitalik Buterin, who is the founder, put up a, a proposal onto you know their proposal notice board a couple of years ago for something called the London Hard Fork, which you know basically allowed Ethereum to become more deflationary. And of course, you know it took a while for that proposal to gain traction. It sat there for quite a while, but then eventually the community voted on it and it was implemented. You know, just uh, I think for about four months ago now. And that's how practically it works. So there's all sorts of proposals in there and some some get up and, and others don't. So that's a good example for Ethereum. But what about Bitcoin? Bitcoin is sort of first example of a decentralized project. As we all know, it was the first crypto that ever existed. Now, if you wanted to make a change to a coin like Bitcoin, you would need the economic majority to be in favor of this change. This includes everyone involved with Bitcoin. Bitcoin miners, developers, and Bitcoin holders. Mm. And, you know, sometimes there is disagreement where, you know, not all the community believes, um, you know, that Bitcoin should go in one direction. And then in this circumstance, it's called a, a hard fork where the coin actually splits into two coins. Now, that sounds ridiculous, I know. When I first heard it, I didn't quite understand it. But 
because cryptocurrencies uh, have open source code, if the community wants to move into another direction, they can copy the code and um, run it the way that they like. And some people may have heard of another crypto called Bitcoin Cash, and that's how Bitcoin Cash came about. You know, two communities divided over some philosophical differences with relation to how the Bitcoin network should grow. And then the two camps split in their own direction. So um, it was it ended up being a healthy move for the ecosystem and both coins still live on today. I think what we need to understand here is also that the economic majority is not 51%, but a minimum of 95%. So this is a really high threshold and makes this particular part of the governance a very slow process. And that's why that London fork, hard fork that we spoke about with ETH took over two years to actually pass. And it's also why the only Bitcoin upgrade that's ever happened took four years to pass. And that only happened last month, which was called Taproot, um, the Taproot upgrade. Uh, I might just interject there. So I think there might be two different mechanisms that we're talking about here, Tracy. So there's... um to implement new code onto these networks, you may need 95% majority for the miners and the stakers. But in order for um, an economic majority to place an attack onto the network, you only need 51% economic majority. And then that would allow you to fork the network and then split it. Because you only need 51% to fork, but not to make a change. Correct. To the actual, to the actual yeah. Yeah. So mm. it's two two concepts here. And the most basic governance structures give the users one vote for each token they hold. And when a proposal is passed, if 51% of voters or tokens vote in favor of the proposal. Now, this is a little bit controversial because obviously it favors people who have a lot of tokens and we're essentially going back to the hierarchy structure. So once a motion like this is passed, a portion of the treasury funds is allocated to the proposal to the project or the initiative that they're voting on. Mm, and there's many different types of you know, governance structures um, that, and all projects kind of have their own tweak on it. Um, but yeah, that's certainly the basis and, and a really strong basic model that, that you know, projects use. And a good example of this is Polkadot. You know, if you lock up a certain amount of tokens, um, it means that your your vote has more weight over time. And that just, you know, creates an incentive for those people that you're know, committing to the project for a longer period of time, um, have more of a sway over, you know, what happens on the network. And, you know, there's many different examples of how, you know, these you know, governance structures are implemented. Okay, guys, let's let's have a look at how this might look in the future with some companies in the real world right now. You know, imagine a future where, you know, Facebook was actually a DAO owned by its community members or Uber was a DAO and it was collectively owned by the drivers and they decided, you know, which direction the company should go in. And, you know, imagine if there was a DAO that owned, you know, that controlled Twitter and the users contributed to, you know, the growth and the direction of the platform. And this is what the technology allows for. And and one day we're going to see these things, you know, but it's going to take a long time before these organizational mechanisms to grow out from just the, the projects that we see them on today. So is this also in essence similar to, say, your local surf club or your basketball club that is a community-driven club that makes their own decisions about what's best for their club? 
Yeah, it's very similar to how a foundation functions or a community organization or even a non-for-profit in some circumstances. So, yeah, there are certainly similarities of you know, compared to the way other groups organize themselves, but this is you know, specific for internet-first or digital-first projects. Yeah, and going back to digital, we're seeing DAOs emerge in gaming. We're empowering players in the play-to-earn model where it's not just centralised but, you know, in corp- corporations earning all this money and profits from these in-game purchases. Craig, you're across this. What are your thoughts here for gaming? Yeah, I think the best example right now of DAOs in gaming is Axie Infinity. Um, Axie Infinity has its own token called AXS, I believe. And this is actually a DAO governance token where the Axie team and community members will put forward proposals and the Axie token holders will vote on these proposals. Now, if you just peel it back a bit, what these projects are doing is empowering the players with the profits of this game. Now, if you think about what it is at the moment in the traditional sense... Call of Duty, you know, I play Call of Duty with my mates, I pay a subscription to PlayStation, I buy my skins, my guns, Call of Duty are taking the money, they're making the money, the Call of Duty product team are deciding on what's coming next, they're building the next game. This model of company has worked for decades, but, you know, with Axie, we can sort of say, you know, I can play in these battle arenas, earn their SLP token make money from playing the game and also deciding on what's being made next. So it's really sort of flipping the the system. Yeah, it's really interesting. So, well, I think we'll leave it there. And that was really more of a top-level discussion around DAOs. And it really is, you know, more of a conceptual part of the crypto landscape right now. And we're really looking at where this could go in the future. So if anything, you know, piqued your interest there, or if you want to know a bit more, then please shoot us an email and ask us a question, podcast at getbamboo.io or follow us on social media. All those details are in the show notes below. And don't forget to rate and review us in your podcast app. And that's it for today's Crypto Curious episode. Thanks for joining us. I'm Tracy. I'm Blake. I'm Craig. Cheers, guys. See you later. Bye. Bye. Crypto Curious is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. Equity Mates gives listeners access to information and educational content provided by a range of financial service professionals. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Crypto Curious are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Equity Mates Media does not operate under an Australian financial services license and relies on the exemption available under the Corporations Act of 2001 in respect of any information or advice given. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find the ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Crypto Curious acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to the elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.